Welcome back to episode number two of the New Levels Coaching Podcast. I'm delighted this week to be joined by our new head of coaching at New Levels Coaching, Mr. Jeff McGraw. Welcome to the granny flat, Jeffro. Thanks, Lewis. I've heard lots about it and it's really quite nice in here. Does it really live nice. yeah, does it live up to expectation? It's it's smaller than I thought it was gonna be. Um so but yeah, no, it's a it's a nice, comfortable environment for us to have a bit of a chat. So should be good. Well, while we're on the uh, the conversation of smaller than it's meant to be or smaller than it appears to be, I appear to be smaller every week. I'm getting a <laughs> taller and taller guest next to me. And I said this in week one, this chair is taller than mine. So if you are watching on YouTube, you'll notice that I am a, a lot lower height than Jethro and he is taller than me anyway, but it certainly does, does dwarf me in this episode. But I'm delighted to have Jeff here with us this week. We are going to talk all things planning, but just a reminder for those of you who are tuning in, our podcast is aimed to educate people in the endurance world. For those people who want to learn more about how to better themselves, we want to provide you with education and inspiration so you can literally go and run with it. And what better place to start the first couple of weeks? We've had Gemma on, we've got Jethro on this week, and we're going to talk about coach planning and what goes through our brains as coaches when we're mapping out training plans, whether that's for a long-term plan, short-term plan, or whether they should always be considered together. Before we do that, I'm getting into good habits, Jethro, of always asking people what they have been up to before we jump straight in. And I'll also give it a bit of an introduction into you and your background. But yeah, what have you been up to this weekend that maybe excites our listeners? Well, I'm I'm gonna go with a with a um, a bit of a, a bit of a coaching update and it's it's quite apt for this podcast, I suppose, because um I'm I'm based down in uh, in Birmingham uh, and do a lot of coaching work around in and around the university and so it's been a big time of where a lot of the students are coming back and we're starting to talk about goals for the future uh, reflect on the season in the past and so there's a lot of there's a lot of positive energy and and, and planning ahead at the moment um in my world so yeah that's 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 something that i've been up to i think as well did you have an athlete competing for england for the first time was that this weekend just gone i did yeah he raced on saturday um he, he got a fantastic result so yeah e- extremely proud of um of what he, he went to go and execute so yeah that's a another good news story from from the weekend perfect i myself um as you'll hear in episode three because we've recorded two episodes this week and uh we're getting ahead of the game because i'm away in rome next week for the Ryder cup but uh, i've been over in switzerland and uh, a big shout out to our team nlc trail runners who are out there and did very, very well, particularly to James in the 50k, who finished sixth overall and was the first Brit back in the 50k. So big kudos to James, all those trail runners looking to get involved in the UTMB qualification and ready for next year. But as Jethro quite rightly said, he is very involved at the Birmingham University, let's say performance hub these days. Is that what they call it now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say so. The performance hub over there at Birmingham. So there's a bit of rivalry here, Loughborough, Birmingham, <laughs> but uh, our... Uh, our paths never crossed whilst we were competing, but Jethro is still competing himself as an athlete. He is a coach and he's a very, very young coach. Uh, I say a young coach. There's a lot of young coaches out there, but in our world, in the athletics world, people often come into the coaching game a little bit at an older age, like myself, when we get into the, the veteran ranks. But Jethro's joined the coaching ranks at a, a very young age and he is still competing at a very high level. And such a high level that when he joined the coaching team here, I actually got his PB, his 10K PB wrong on our website. And <laughs> you pulled me up. So 10K PB, as it is corrected now, Jethro stands at? 3013. 30, but he'll be first to tell you, he was more of a 800, 1500-meter runner back in the day when you were competing mm-hmm. sort of as a, a schoolboy. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So um, I suppose I've been, I've been in the, the sport of athletics my entire life. Um, and the majority of the competition and, and uh, training that I did as, as a youngster was all all geared towards those middle distances, so the, the 8s, 1500s. Um, but yeah, certainly in the last few years, I've enjoyed moving up distances and, 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 and training for those different kind of side, side of things. It never gets any easier, does it? People think like shorter distances are easier, but they're definitely not. They just fill you with more lactate, and they can be just as horrible, can't they, as say a 10k or even up to a marathon? Absolutely, absolutely. We will get you in 26.2 miles eventually, though. That's that's the ambition here at New Levels Coaching. Get Jethro in a marathon. 
Maybe Lewis will coach me. No, I don't know about that. <laughs> not sure about that one. <laughs> like too many middle distance runners wanting to do that, including myself. Doesn't doesn't usually end well. Brill, well, let, let's jump into that's a bit of a background about Jethro, and we'll talk a little bit more about his coaching and his running as we go. But we want to kick off this week and talk about planning because I know a lot of people at home who are tuning in, listening. Um, you'll kind of map out your season, or, or you may not map out your season, but you'll certainly put some races in your calendar. Whether that's a big challenge, you know, whether you're a triathlete and that's an Ironman, whether you're a runner and it's a marathon race, or whether you're a trail runner and that's looking towards something like a Golden Trail Series event. But quite often we put those events in and we don't spend time planning towards those events. Whereas for us, Jethro's coaches, it's the opposite, isn't it? It's almost the thing that comes first. So when you're starting to kind of plan, I guess, um, how do you even categorize races how do you sit down with an athlete and look at which races to choose and then what goes through your coaching brain from there well you know i think i think you'll agree it all starts with that big goal so when you sit down with an athlete what what is that big goal that's gonna that's gonna really motivate somebody to get up in the mornings get get out in the evenings and and go go and go and train after that goal and and that that really is that that a goal and that could be an a goal goal in in the short term medium term long term um, and that's all things that you've got to understand. And then once you understand where that where that goal sits, then effectively you're looking at how much time have we got? And that's time in a in a literal sense, i.e. how many weeks, months, days. But also, you know, how how much training is that athlete able to commit to week to week? And so, you know, how many hours have we got before that goal? And and, and that that's all you are you're always working back from that from that A A race goal and, and, and that's the way I like to think about it. I think I think after that it's 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 around well what 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 needs to happen what what can we do to get you to that goal um and we want to make sure that you're you're reaching checkpoints along the way uh, and you you're getting out and you're racing and you and you're practicing those things that are going to uh, pay dividends on race day and so again it's about classifying those other other races or those other aims that you might have along the way um and fitting them in um and I think it's really important then to draw a distinction as to be like where are they are they are they B goals? Are they C goals? Um, and the way that I like to say a, a C goal is very much a, a race that's that's just part of that journey. Um, often it's it's included in there as, as part of the training. Um, it's not something you necessarily target or you necessarily taper for, um, but it's something that's in there and it's really important because you get that race practice. You check in with where your fitness is, and and you get some really useful feedback for both yourself as an athlete and and, and the coach that you're working with. Um, and so really, it's about filling that time with as many of those C races that are going to be useful for you as possible. I think the big danger is that a lot of us fall into the trap of maybe overreaching and looking for too many of these B goals, which are often things that we kind of say, "Oh, I, I really, I, I would really like to do well here," but. Often, if you have too many of those B goals, you deviate from that 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 process that gets you to go and execute that A goal, which is your which is the big goal that you want to go and achieve. It's a really good point. I think for me as a coach, um, I, th- I think I find this really difficult, and I can see how people who aren't coached really struggle with mm-hmm. this because mm-hmm. it's so easy to go to races on a regular occurrence, regular occasions, and think. I'm going to be at my best all of the time. Mm-hmm. And we know that just doesn't happen. But we are our, we are all quite self-critical and we're quite hard on ourselves. And I know a lot of people can be quite hard on themselves too. And they expect the body and mind to show up for them on regular occasions. And I think that's where that B kind of race, the B goals kind of fall into it. And I guess, yeah, they're not even really goals, are they, for a lot of people? Sometimes they come up and people just go, oh, I'll do that and, I, and I'll go there. And then we expect things to happen. But I find, and I don't know about you, that often when you plan the best and people trust that plan and they go through that process, that's often when the best results come. Definitely. I think I think that's one of the big benefits of, of having a team and whether, you know, a team around you on your on your running journey is that the whole the whole reason why we train is to is to prepare you and make sure that you bring your A game to that A race, you know, um and Ultimately, on, on, on that journey, there are going to be races where you're less fresh or you're a little bit more tired or training hasn't been geared specifically towards that. But I think I, I completely agree with you. I think often the trap that we that a lot of athletes fall into is that they have too many of these kind of middle aims that don't mean 
that, that don't necessarily um, correlate with, with your big big goal, um, but you're almost thinking about them too much on a, on a week-to-week basis, and so they don't they might, might cause a bit too much stress for, for what you actually want to get out of those races. I think in that sense as well, there's, there's physical stress mm. and there's also the mental stress that comes with it. Mm-hmm. I know I see that a lot of times where people go and they don't perform to the level they were hoping to. And then off the back of it, it almost like ruins their confidence. And you think to yourself as a coach, like, oh, we spent this amount of time building that up and we've done really good things in training. And then that's all been undone in the space of like one weekend because somebody's gone to a race, almost expecting a little bit too much of themselves. And and also we sometimes hear this from athletes, like they say they feel like they've let the coach down, like they're, they're putting so much expectation on themselves to, to perform as you said, the stress levels are quite high and that can then have a negative impact going forward into the next training cycle, can't it? Definitely. And, and, and a nice way of thinking about it, and you can do this in a, in a, as a, stru- in a structured way as, as, as you like, but it's effectively for, for every race that you go into, have in the back of your mind, what's a kind of minimum, what's a minimum outcome that you want to get from this? What's, what's something that you're going to be happy with? And that could be, that could be a, a, an outcome or, or a, or another type of goal, um, and then what would be like a real aspirational target for you to for you to get out of the race that you're heading into, and and that just by writing it down, it holds you to account. And like you're saying, I think if you do have a coach, you're then able to to check in and make sure that those those three those three levels of measures of, of success make sense. Um, because like you say, a lot of the time we've probably probably too harsh on ourselves as athletes and um, let that get the better of us. And ultimately, that's that's when you like you say you lose you lose that confidence and really you know as part of the journey you want to just be building 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 um ready 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 for for that for that big goal that you've got in in the calendar so let's let's talk around that point on people who maybe don't have a coach we we in lovers coaching work with runners of all abilities and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're an elite athlete or if you're a runner who's just getting into the sport we want to help people on that journey um, but there's a lot of people out there who aren't uh, coached. They maybe don't want to be coached. They like to, to kind of self-operate. So let's let's break that down a little bit for them. So we're looking at those kind of different aspirations from those different races that they go to. And as you said, I think it's a really good point. Like what is the minimum expectation that you want to get out of this? And let's put it in a real life scenario. So let's say, I don't know, I'm going to name somebody Gail, for example, Gail is running London Marathon in April 2024 and in the build up to London um, she's going to do a half marathon in fact she's going to do two and Gail's got a half marathon in in January which is around about 16 weeks out from London and I find this a lot of people want to start off and they almost want to come out the traps like right where am I you know am I as good as my PB um, but if we've got our coach's hat on there in fact I'm going to put it to, to you first what would you be looking for from Gail in that scenario at the start of a training block with it within that half marathon performance? What is the kind of minimum minimum expectation there from a coach? I think I think the big thing is that you want to come away from that race feeling like you've you've built you've built some confidence off the back of it. And so I think the biggest the easy, biggest and easiest way you can do that is to is to practice coming up with and executing a race plan. Uh, within that environment and that gives you an, a really nice objective measure of when you reflect on that initial half marathon you can just say well did I execute that race plan how how I wanted to um and that's and that that's not outcome driven at all um and often when people do execute their race plans you do get a positive outcome off the back of it so it's kind of a win-win in in that regard um but ultimately it's it's about making maybe people realize as well that it is just a starting point it's it's part of that journey and and the more the more small wins you can get on the way um you know and the, and the more learnings you can take by getting yourselves in, into these races then you're going to be more prepared and more knowledgeable about what your body can and can't do ready on race day i think that's a really good point so you threw in there about the the process goals almost mm. and you know, setting yourself those process goals as opposed to just the outcome goals again, which is a trap we see a lot of athletes fall into is like outcome time orientated goals all the time. And it's not that we shouldn't have those because I think, as you said, sometimes they can be the drivers that even get us out of bed in the morning, keeping yourself accountable to those goals. Definitely. But there is that element of if you focus on the process, sometimes the outcome takes care of itself. And that's a really good example, like almost it's not it's not a trial run but you're starting to put into practice those things that 
maybe you are planning on using on the marathon day, whether that's fueling strategy, pacing strategy. I always think as well, like the minimum expectation should be um, to have a good experience. Mm. And and I heard that from a few of the elite athletes last year, particularly Emil Caress when he was building up to the marathon. He said, I want to come off the marathon, my first one, and I want it to have been a positive experience so that I look forward to my next one. I don't want to go and break myself and then not look forward to the training cycle or, or the next one to come. Definitely. That's a really good point. And um, similarly, an, 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 another coach that I greatly look up to um, down, in, down in Birmingham often likes to use the word like um, make a positive move. When, when you get, if, if, you, if you're getting into a race and it, it's a race over a longer duration, if, if you come away and feel like at some point you're able to make a positive move, then, you know, that's a really nice way of saying, look, I'm not going to focus on the outcome, but actually I was in that race. Um, I felt good at the time and I was able to do something positive in the, in, in the race. Um, I can build from that. You know, that's a really good way of, of, of just kind of building that confidence, building that race practice and, and, and get, getting, getting yourself away where you need to be. I like that. I like that. I can, I can think of one example in my running career where my coach and I sat down before the race and he said, look, We've got the British champs in sort of 10, 11 days time. Um, we need this race to to matter. We need to get something from this race. I'm not bothered mm. about the time here. Mm-hmm. But he said, we've we've had a lack of races. He said, so at some point in this race, I want you to go to the Hurt Locker. I want you to make a decision and go for it. And when you do, commit. And I don't care what happens as a result of that. And it really gave me the confidence to, to think, I've got free reign here. Mm. Now, it wasn't pretty what happened at the end. You know, I remember running around the Sheffield uh, on the indoor, tran- uh, indoor tracks, which are, which are banked. And I was kicking cones over because I was so fatigued in the last 400 meters. But I did what he'd asked, or he certainly guided me along that route. Then I'd made a decision to do that. But the training effect off the back of that, 10, 11 days later, I ran a massive PB. Mm. And it comes back to your original point of like, that race wasn't the A goal. It was, in fact, it was the C. It was one of those C races that you talk about where we were going to practice something, we were going to go there, and we were going to get out of it what we wanted out of it. But it really had a big impact on that A goal. And that I think that's the thing. Is you've always you've, you've got to not lose sight of that A goal on that journey, haven't you? Absolutely, absolutely. So with that in mind then, so we've got, I want to talk a little bit about those process goals that you mentioned because I think a lot of people, the first thing they do is when they sit down on their own journey is they put, like you say, a London Marathon in the plan and then they go, where do I start? Where where, where do I start? How do we know where to start? So as coaches, how do we know where to start with a plan? What's the sort of first things you start to look at from maybe from your athlete or how do you assess them? How do you know what training to even put in there? I mean, obviously, obviously you start with, with their training background, what, what, what they've done to date, um, but also what, what they're willing to commit to, what they think their body can do in the future. Um, and often one of the questions that I really like to ask is, is just, and, and it, it, um, it gets the athletes to kind of reflect on, on where they are currently. And it's just around, look, tell me about where your strengths are. Tell me about where your weaknesses are. And often that's a really nice way. And, and you, you find out a lot about the athlete um, when you do ask those questions because you get all sorts of responses in terms of what they view their strengths are and what, you know, and what they feel they need, really need to work on. It's interesting as well, isn't it? Because they always give you more weaknesses than strengths. Definitely. It's so much easier. You always say, give me some strengths and it's, mm, mm, uh, and you say, okay, give me some weaknesses and it, comes flooding out they rattle off yeah yeah it's mad and that that's quite a common trend i, I don't often have it the other way around <laughs> i don't think you go to many people who are like yeah i just i'm very so british, good at everything very british. yeah i think it is i think you're right i think in america i think you see it a lot they're a little bit more confident maybe it's a bit of a cultural thing as as you say but definitely and there's something you picked up on or i picked up on earlier what you said and you've kind of touched on it again there is find out where they are now, absolutely, and almost like where they want to be, but also what are they willing to commit to? And I think that's a big, big factor that a lot of people don't sit down and put in their plans. And I heard it from a coach on another podcast that I listened to actually, and they said the first thing they do is they put down the key dates on their plan where they can't train. So big events, weddings or work occasions. And I don't think people give that enough consideration. They just think, I'm just going to train they don't map out what even their week looks like. And you said, I think, um, 
how many hours they can commit to training wise definitely and, and that and that's really important right because you know um unless you're a professional athlete and that that's a very small proportion of people that, that are fortunate to have effectively unlimited time to to train and recover um there are always going to be you know and, and to be fair even for professional athletes like there's there's always going to be other things that are priorities in their life as well as running um and so you know the, the biggest thing is 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 putting those putting those requirements or putting those priorities in the plan so that you're able to keep your athlete happy healthy um and the ultimately happy healthy athletes are going to be able to train sustainably um and, and be able to stack those weeks back to back because you know i'm sure you will agree ultimately consistency pays and, and that's going to be the that's going to be the biggest factor in terms of you're able to show up week in week out execute what's what's been set um, and do that in a consistent way um and, and and that's the best way for you to you know head head towards and uh, head towards that big big a goal consistency yeah i once said to somebody consistency is the key to success which i do believe but then they challenged me on this point it was a really good point they said but you can do things consistently bad as well and i was yeah, like that's true that's <laughs> very very true but i think you define it nicely there where if you keep showing up doing the right things yeah, consistently sure. that's what we're looking at um we're not expecting perfection and i talk a lot with my athletes about this we don't expect you to be perfect but what we do expect is progress over time and that for me comes from purposeful practice and purposeful practice often leads to consistency i guess one of the biggest um, flaws i see with people applying themselves to a training plan is they think harder is better all of the time and they don't really understand um, that there's different levels of training certainly different intensities and the one big thing i'm reading a lot about recently is how important rest and recovery is and the time and attention people give to that and i think there is a little bit of a misconception that harder is always better and we know that that isn't always the case definitely um and that that links really nicely to my first point about when you when you're looking at athlete strengths and weaknesses and you're trying to analyze where they are and who they are and the type of profile athlete that that, that they have been and you ask for a strength and i don't know how often this has happened to you but they often deliver the answer I'm a hard worker and that's really good and ultimately like that is really important and that allows those athletes to get the most out of themselves when they need to but it's also a bit of a red flag to say that this athlete has got the potential to overtrain yeah but this athlete has got the potential to to not not fully comprehend the, the different training intensities and that's when you know you need to be a little bit more intentional in the way that you're going to go about and plan their training knowing that you know when they get to race day you've got full confidence that they will empty the tank and they can work really hard in that on that day but let's save them for that day and, and, and not flog them every week well i know i can relate to that very well because that was me that was that was my attitude i can work as hard as anybody out there i believed i could i guess i did apply that quite well and i knew also important how important rest and recovery was but it wasn't until i had it highlighted to me that I wasn't resting, recovering as well as I could have been mm -hmm. and maybe as well as I should have been. And I was trying to fill up my time by keeping myself busy. And as a as an effect, I had, it did have an effect on me and it had an effect on my performance. Mm -hmm. I guess tied into that, though, a lot of people sat at home probably thinking, you know, well, I like socializing. I like going out. Um, I like being with friends. And we don't have anything against that. In fact, I think we are both aligned on the fact that we, we see that as ultra important, particularly for people who are that, of, of that nature, who like to socialize, who like to be with friends. I think it has a massive impact on performance in a positive way. Definitely. And, and I think the point is there's, there's, no, there's no such thing as, you know, um, well, to an extent there is, but, you know, good, good or bad decisions. You know, as long as you're upfront and honest about where your priorities and where your decisions lie, then you're able to plan around that and come up with the best course of action. I think it's when, you know, when you're not honest about where your priorities are, that's when you get into more trouble because you might be trying to, you're second guessing yourself in terms of what actually is a priority for me. And, and, and that might change, um, you know, month to month, week to week. And, and that's all part of planning. Um, when you, you know, when you sat down with a coach or you're reflecting yourself and you're thinking, what can I get done in a week? Well, it's okay writing a typical week, but that typical week might actually never exist because 
work, social, family commitments might always dictate that there's always going to be deviations from that week. And that's okay as long as you've still got the right mix of, you know, purposeful practice, um, enough, you know, enough consistency of running in there. You know, you're doing the right things week on week, month to month. You know, that's that's the big picture rather than the the intricate week to week, day to day. And I think that's a really good point you make about that week and often how people see it as as a week and a seven day cycle. And um, back to that kind of point you're making that if they miss something in that seven days, they think, oh, my God, I've missed it. I need to cram it in where. And I always get that asked to me, where can I catch that up? Right. It's mm. it's really important to not see it as catching things up. Like it's fine to take a day off. It's fine to miss things. Things happen life happens life gets in the way but i would encourage anybody who's who's listening in tune in if you're if you're not coached to not be bogged down by that seven day cycle don't think that everything that uh, is going to happen over the course of a training plan is a result of what you crammed into seven days because it's absolutely not there's some people operate on 10 day cycles 14 day cycles 21 day cycles i prefer to map it out over a period of time and i want to look for consistency again as that word in a training plan so people often say to me how am I going to fit in two strength sessions in a week well who said it had to be a week you know could we get it in 10 days for example people sometimes don't even long run once a week mm-hmm. they you know we're, we're religious in this country aren't we it's like church is on a Sunday long run goes on a Sunday everybody's the same thing but actually do you have to run long run every single week and that drop out one week and people at home are probably thinking god what would I do if I missed a long run but it's fine to do that. It's absolutely fine. So yeah, really good point there, Jeff, about, you know, not being defined by cramming everything in there and thinking that that plan is fixed in one in one, in one point. I'm going to go back though to right at the start when you said the strengths and weaknesses and applying those to a plan because we're starting to kind of piece together this this plan now that we've got the, the goal race, the big A race that we're aiming towards. We said for this example, London Marathon, we've got, um you know, a C race in there, half marathon. We've probably got a B race in there somewhere, which is maybe a half marathon that we do want to target. Um, but in between that, we've maybe got like a, a 10K or as you said, certain markers that we'll put down within that plan. But then we're going to plan out the training and we're going to look at the things that you said right at the start. We're going to look at strengths and weaknesses of what the athlete has highlighted themselves. Uh, and you can do that at home. You can write that down. Don't be scared to put your strengths down. Um, but also don't be afraid to see your weaknesses as opportunities to, to improve. But I am going to talk, or I'm going to put a question to you is how important are your strengths and how important is it to work on those strengths? I think it's incredibly important. And I think often when we, when, when we, when we start thinking about where our strengths lie, where our weaknesses are, we, we often focus on those weaknesses, um, and that often means that perhaps you're you're focusing on things. Well, you know, you're focusing on things that you're maybe less good at or you less naturally enjoy. And that's probably re- the reason why they are a bit of a weakness. Um, and the point is, if if that's all you if that's all you focus on, often that they're the hardest things to get out of bed for, or they're the hardest things to go and execute, and they're the hardest things for you to keep motiv- motivating yourself towards. And so, the way I like to look at it is that you know, make that strength that you've got a super strength do that regularly and make that an even bigger strength and you'll enjoy getting more out of yourself in that area and then in the background know that you're consistent consistently purposefully trying to work on that weakness as well and so it's work on your weaknesses see them as opportunities but also make that strength a super strength i think so many people are afraid to do that because Mm. they they know it's the one thing they're good at or, or there's a few things they're good at and they know it's the thing that comes easiest to them. So they almost see it as like, or certainly in my mindset, I used to see it as almost like cheating, like, oh, well, I know I'm good at that, so I probably shouldn't do that all the time. But you're absolutely right. You've got to have that nailed on. If that is your strength, you have to play to your strengths. Mm-hmm. And, and as you say, make it make it as good as it possibly can be because that is, that is obvi- obviously why you do the sport as well. Like, I, I did running because I loved it. I didn't like really going to the gym. I go to the gym because it's part of the process and I know it gets me strong and, and it keeps me healthy and it keeps me accountable to my goals. But I didn't fall in love with going to the gym and I never have done. However, I know that it's also um, a weakness in terms of my psychology that um, 
it forces me to do something I don't want to do. And I think that is has a positive impact on my performance. But more recently, as I've gone to trail running, I've started to cramp up a lot in races. And guess what? I see that in the gym sometimes. I'll do like a dynamic jump and I'll go back to squatting and I'll cramp. So for me, that's showing that the strength isn't quite there. So that definitely is a weakness and I need to work on that and I need to look at, okay, how do I get that in more regularly? I guess a question for you and I'm going to ask you to put your athlete hat on here actually. If somebody doesn't like doing certain things, how do they go about doing them on a more consistent basis? What sort of tricks have you got for them to to help them get those things in their plan? Because it can be quite hard to do the things that you don't like doing. That's a That's a really nice question um work out work out how how you can make that experience more comfortable uh, a big thing is have you got company you know can you do it can you can you find a community where you're able to to work on those weaknesses but with others that also similarly maybe don't enjoy that as much and and so like i said i think the gym's a really good example and quite a common one you know if if you don't particularly feel motivated to get out to the gym can can you go with a can you go with a friend can you go with a partner can you get yourself out there and and, and involved um i think put um put it maybe putting that activity at the easiest possible time as well so not not trying to cram it in somewhere where you know you're going to be tired or busy and so there's going to be like more activation energy for you to get out and, and go and do that thing like put it at a time that's that's fairly easy you know you know and but also be be honest with yourself and be aware that, you know, how how you know, as as you're aiming towards that a goal, you've got to understand why why this why working on this weakness is so important, and so just have that in the back of your mind as as to, as to it's a barrier, and so therefore I need to be motivated to to, to try and uh, try and improve that. I think there's three really good things to take away there. So one, never forget your goals mm. and have the mm-hmm. goals at the forefront of your mind and. And remind yourself of that goal when it is getting tough to, to take yourself mm-hmm. out to do the thing that you don't want to do. I think the company, the social aspect is so, so important, whether that's a gym and doing it with an accountability partner, whether it's going to a class at the mm-hmm. gym. I know some people who find those beneficial because they can just push themselves a little bit more in that group setting. Um, and then, yeah, making life easy for yourself, whether it's putting it at the start of the day, if that's where you perform the best. Uh, whether it's having your kit ready for you on the floor on the morning so that it's easier just to pick the kit up. I did it this, the exact thing you're talking about this morning. I didn't really want to go for a run. I was sore. I was hurting. I knew I should go for a run. And what I did was I went and put my kit on and then I did some stretching and m- mobility. Like I thought, right, if I put my kit on, mm-hmm. I'm more likely to get out the door. I'm making it easier for myself and my brain to get myself out there. So little tricks like that putting it in the at the right time of the day for you as well i think there's some really good points for people to take away because i think there's a misconception in particularly in running um around the general population and what i describe as our recreational runners who who do it for fun and do it to keep fit and healthy they look at the elite runners the people at the top end of the sport and they they think that they love every single minute of it and they don't, do they? They they find things hard. But I often find it's it's getting the stuff done that you find hard that makes people better because the easy stuff is the easy stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. And and you know, um it this is this is all around kind of trying to design a uh, a training program or a training plan that works for you. And I th- I suppose what, what we're trying to say is that the way we look at it, we work out how much time we've got. We want to sprinkle in as many of those components or those different things that we that we want to see. Um, we want to cater for those strengths, cater for those weaknesses, and and make it as easy as possible for that for that athlete to go and execute those things. Um, yeah. Um, it, I think I think the other thing to say is that you know um, every athlete's different, and every and that, that's that's the, that's the beauty of working um, in in the coaching world is that everyone's got their own individual things that they they like or they find as a strength and things that they they don't like and find as a weakness and and that is the beauty of and the reason why crafting a program or craft crafting a plan ultimately has to be individual um and that's 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 the only way for you to have the most success out of um for the athlete and when we we talk about individualized plan which is exactly how we work with people we 
we don't do generic and your love us culture. We just don't believe in it. I, I don't believe it works and never have done. I'm not saying that it wouldn't work for anybody out there because, you know, sometimes just having a plan gives people structure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe the best results come from individual planning and people working towards a plan that is suited to them that marries up with their strengths and weaknesses and the things that they should be working on. I really like when you said, yeah, we sprinkle a plan together because we do, don't we? And it's it'd be so easy for us to go, right, what do you love doing? Let's just stick that in every single day of the week. But we know that that isn't going to work, really. We know that we do have to put some things in there that people don't like and that they're going to find tough. And I want to relate that a little bit to races because um, particularly with, well, no, actually, again, if we go back right to start the conversation, I said to you, you know, any race is, is challenging. It doesn't matter what distance it is. It doesn't matter whether it's an eight or 1500. They hurt. Sometimes they can hurt more. I would say in any race that I've been involved in when I've been doing it competitively, I've had to go pretty deep in those races and I've had to get out of certain holes at certain times. Yes, there's certain ones where you feel like you're in a bit of a flow state and things are just coming, but there's always times when you just question yourself a little bit, even when you're at your top end of your game. And I don't know about you, but I found that when I've trained and I've been doing things that I don't like or things haven't been going according to plan, that's often where I can draw into that little mental toolkit and bring it out in a race situation because I've been there in training and done it before. You believe in the process. You believe that you're ready and it's much easier to to, to wring that extra energy um, out of yourself on, on race day and, and, and find that extra 2-3% which is which is going to ultimately going to count the most towards your goals. Um, I think I think it is really nice and you know I think the big takeaway is that Obviously, when you are planning towards your goals, it, we, st- we start big picture and we don't necessarily plan in every detail week to week between now and, and that goal time. But we know generally the type of things that we would want that athlete doing. Um, and then as we get, you know, as it, as we get close to the time then we can fill in those details and, and make sure that that's um, they're suitable and still relevant for, for where that athlete is. Um, what, what I would say as well is oh, over the course of a journey, you, your strengths and weaknesses might change. You know, and and that's 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 one of the most uh, that's some of the, some of the, some of the most awesome uh, scenarios you can get into is when somebody starts with you and they believe they've got a relative strength or weakness, and and maybe that changes across the course, and you you know they've really discovered something or, or found found something out out about themselves that they're, they're really surprised about, and so again, you've got to be dynamic and and able to cater for that uh, week to week, month to month, and um, yeah, I'm sure you'll agree with. agree with that. I think that's one of the most exciting parts of coaching where somebody thinks they know themselves and they almost go on a course of Mm self-discovery and they're like, oh, I didn't realize that was a strength of mine. And they they start to see it. And it's quite often that we see it before them Mm -hmm. and then they start to see it as a result of doing it repetitively. Yeah. And I I find that's one of the most rewarding parts of coaching. And and it's not always... Um, for us as r- running coaches, it's not always the running. It's sometimes to do with their lifestyle, to do with how they handle themselves. Mm-hmm. It can be something like I sometimes work on kind of life goals with the, with the athletes I coach and have a look at where they're going with the career and see how they develop in that, um, in those aspects. And that's also very re- rewarding as well. And a lot of the skills that you get from sport can be transferred over into life and vice versa a lot of people who you know have some certain skills in the workplace can transfer those skills into sport as well and it's not being afraid to to mix the two together there was a really interesting point there and i kind of want to sort of wrap up it here on this point is you mentioned about that kind of long-term plan being there and that's where we started today was looking at the long-term plan the short-term plan and, and you even mentioned the medium term and i think when we sit down I'm sure you'd agree, well, we sit down as coaches and we discuss this anyway as a, as a group of coaches. We all have best intentions for a long-term plan and we do kind of map out in our own mind and we, we almost brainstorm that long-term plan of what that will look like. But we don't ever get drawn into it too much because as you said, we know it can change so, so much. Um, so just to give people an idea who are listening, how often or how far ahead do you plan generally, Jethro, with the people you work with? How... How much of a schedule do you write for them to see? Um, and again, how much would that change from time to time? That's a really interesting question. And I'd say that, you know, some of the athletes that I've been working with and, know, and, and I know that I'll be working with them for the next sort of 
two, three years. I do have an idea of the things that they might like to achieve in, in two, three years, but I've certainly not written a seven day window in, in two, three years time. Right. Um, I think moving back from that, you know, I'm probably, probably looking around six months to a year ahead. And that's very high level looking at the type of, the type of training cycles that you, you should be doing at, at these kind of times. Um, but that's, and, and the type of components within each of those training cycles. Um, but that's again, the most amount of detail that you'd go into. And actually, so in terms of prescribing and programming, um, on a, on a daily, weekly basis, you're probably looking at around a month to two months ahead. Um, and I would, and I know it depends on the athlete, but often I don't like to, to share that with the athlete. And, uh, so they're only ever seeing like four weeks ahead because often it, you know, it, it potentially clouds their judgment if, if they can see that they've got something coming up in sort of seven weeks time. And, um, and I find that works a lot better. So, some athletes, it doesn't, some like to see that big picture goal, um, or, or you know, that week to week flow a, a long time in advance, but generally, you know, as long as you're seeing four weeks ahead, then that, that works really well. I think that's yeah. It's it's a really nice time frame that mm. that kind of that calendar month. Um, I like it because it helps you to plan that little meso cycle. I call it, and mm. you can review at the end of that. And often, it usually gives you time to maybe get a race in there as well. Um, which which falls nicely in there. So, yeah. And I think it's about not having that even that small window of time not set in stone. You know, having that. Definitely four-week window we see it all the time where that has to change it has to adapt because of illness or injury or again just life just gets in the way and it's not being scared of that so many people say to us as, as coaches oh god I didn't complete what was on the plan and now I feel bad about that I think we would feel worse as coaches knowing they've done something that they couldn't potentially do or they've fatigued themselves in order to do it they've like run themselves into the ground just because it was on a plan that isn't what a plan is there for it's there to guide and, and facilitate but it's, it's certainly not there to dictate what people do definitely it comes back to the point again that we that we've made throughout that four weeks allows you to zoom out and not look at cramming stuff in it allows you to say look what do i need to get done in this four week period and that includes i don't know it might include some some gym sessions it might include long runs but it might also include four or five days of, of recovery time it might even include like two days of just like complete days off and socializing and you know you've got a wedding to go to or whatever like um that's all just part of that big that big picture um and so it does allow that to take a step back and 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 not focus on what you're doing day to day but rather have i put together a month that the month that I needed to in, in order to move forward and, and execute the next month. So no, that's a very, very good point. I like that zoom out analogy, like bird's eye view almost. Yeah. Yeah. To, <laughs> yeah it's, it's almost like you're doing it on a computer, right? There's, there's the week, but let's zoom out and let's have a look at what we want to get in that, that plan. Exactly what that camera is going to be doing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Zooming out on us, zooming out on us very soon. So, um, I'm going to add something at the end, which I want to add, and I've not done it yet. I've, I forgot to do this with Gemma. She kind of put me on the spot in week one. And then in week three, um, which we've pre-recorded because we're away next week, uh, I forgot to ask her, but I was, I was going to oh, call no. it, I was going to call it pass the mic. Um, so I was going to ask you a coaching question, just a very simple one. And you can give me a very simple answer back. And then you can fire a question back at me. And we're just going to do this two or three times. So very simply, like, What's the biggest mistake you see runners make? I think this one I can answer straight off the off the bat and it links really nicely to the discussion that we just had, but too many too many B goals. So so not enough of these. So when you when you're planning your when planning the journey, pick pick one or two A goals and pick plenty of C goals that are part of that journey, but but don't don't worry about those like intermediate goals that often don't mean as much to you and and often they can disrupt the direction of training. So polarize it more more a goals more c goals i like that i'd never heard of that way of phrasing it before we had this chat today um but yeah similarly i would have said that people become too distracted from their goals by other things and that's a really nice way of putting it okay you can put me on the spot fire a question at me or you can or or the, the other option is to fire the same one back it's a little game we've got going on i quite like this i can't wait to put it, um, matt on the spot in our next episode so, so I'll ask, and it's a, it's a common question that I sometimes get asked is when you sit down with an athlete and you say, look, what are your goals? And I want to hear both an outcome and a process goal. They can easily give me an outcome goal, but they often say like, 
how how do I come up with a process goal? So that's going to be my question to you is if you've got an athlete that's saying, I'm not really sure where to start with that, what would you say to them? That's a very, very good question. That's putting me right on the spot. Um, Got him back. Yeah, you have got me back there. You have. (laughs) Um, So I always say, take the outcome goal. So I'm going to give an example. Um, Let's say somebody wants to run a 20-minute 5K. Mm -hmm. And I say, okay, what's it going to take for you to run that 20-minute 5K? So picture the person on the start, start line that day what things what qualities do you need in order to run that 20 minute 5k and then they'll they'll say some things well i need to be strong i need to be fast i need to you know i need to work on my vo2 max and they come up with all these things and then we have the conversation around okay well how do we do that mm-hmm. so how how are we going to build strength into your program how are we going oh, well, I need to get stronger in the gym at these these things. Okay, well, that's one way we can do that. Um, but let's let's break that process down a little bit further uh, and let's put some measurables on that as well because process goals can be measurable as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we'll start to piece it down and break it down a little bit further into smaller chunks. But that's where I always start with. I always start with the outcome goal and say, okay, well, that's where you want to, to be and that's the, the, the outcome you're looking for. But what journey do we need to go on together in order to to make that a success? Um, and that that's how I try and articulate it to them. I hope that makes sense. Definitely. What what what's going to get in your way, and how can we overcome it? Yeah, that's a, that's a good way of looking at it. Okay. On that note, back to me. Pass the mic. One more each. Um, what do you see uh, as the what do athletes who who you coach see as their biggest biggest problems or obstacles that do get in the way for them? Good question. I suppose we're talking generally around generally, like, yeah. All the athletes that I currently work with work, work with in the past. Um, I I think it's 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 stringing it's stringing together and stacking weeks of weeks and weeks and weeks of training or cycles upon cycles of training. Um, because too often you find that the athletes breaking down with injury, breaking down with illness. Um. And so that's the struggle. It's like, look, if I can just get, if I can just get four months injury free, free of illness, training all the time, then I'll be ready. I'll be ready. And that's, I'm sure you're the same. That's you, you hear that so often. Um, in terms of then, you know, that 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 immediately, um, that immediately gets you thinking. You know, well, what what process goals are we going to put in place to make sure that we're not we're not focused on on outcome. Actually, we're just focused on saying, well, look. What can we do over these four months to make sure that you are consistent, that you are avoiding illness, are avoiding injury? And a lot of that is being is making sensible decisions along that way. And they might not be, you know, it might be a sensible decision to to not session today or or to to just go out an easy run or to, to take an extra rest day. And okay, in the short term you might feel that you're you're missing out on something, but long term you're actually achieving what you want to go and achieve. Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm almost forgetting the outcome goals for a little bit and just mm. saying let's just focus on the process a little bit let's get that consistency that links really nicely you've done Gemma a favor here because episode <laughs> three is about injuries and piecing together training and um and how how you can potentially do that and how injuries I guess it's probably you know it's probably refreshing for people to hear a coach say that from from you is that you know that is our biggest challenge as coaches injuries and illnesses and and consistency despite us banging on about it because people will be listening here going oh well you know i fall into that category i struggle to string things together it's quite natural mm-hmm. but it's about working out how you can get that consistency and that is very much the puzzle itself isn't it yeah that's what it's all about one more question for me to finish off absolutely well within reason absolutely anything i was going to say should i give you free reign there <laughs> one more question um what, what I suppose it's a theoretical question, but if you if you've got an athlete that's come to you and they've got four or five big goals that they want to go and achieve, how would you help them understand what what's their number one? What's their number one A goal? Because often, like you know, I, I think when when we're when we're in a period of motivation, and athletes are like, oh, I just want to go out and smash it, and I want to run all these times and do all these distances. How how do you kind of frame that to to make that part of a longer term journey rather than a a short-sighted are just get out and get after everything that's a really good question because a lot of people who are listening to this are gonna go that's me yeah 
that's me. Yeah. I've got like six things I want to mm-hmm. achieve in the next 10 weeks. And that, that doesn't start it, with PB. Yeah, <laughs> the PBs. And that doesn't include the part runs that I want to go to every week as yeah. well. Part run is a brilliant initiative, um, but people overuse it for the wrong reasons. It could be used for all the right reasons, um, but a lot of people try and PB every single week at part run. <laughs> should be should be uh, renamed PB part run. Um, how would I do that? I've had to do that in the past. The one thing I believe, similar to you, Jethro, that we should have one big A goal, maybe two, if, mm-hmm. you know, it depends on the cycles, but that's a conversation for another day. But we certainly should be having one big A goal that, that we're aiming towards. And if someone comes to me with five or six, I believe people get the best results from their A goal when it means the most them and they can resonate with that goal. Mm-hmm. So often I look for something within that goal. So what, which ones have they picked? Uh, I'll give an example. So it might be someone says, I want to run uh, the marathon because I want to do that for, for charity. You know, I've um, recently had a, a family member who, who passed away and I'd like to raise some money for them. Uh, but in the build up, I'd like to, you know, run this half marathon. And actually, you know, I'd, I'd like to run an ultra as well, because um, I think that would be good. I want to get that ultra in the calendar and it's something I've always wanted to do. Uh, and then before you know it, they've got six or seven things that are thrown at you. And I always go back to that point. Number one. OK, so why would you like to run that marathon again? And, and who are you running it for? And when people are running it for not just themselves, but another cause, I often find that they're more invested. It's like the power of the people. They they feel like they're on this journey and that they've got real purpose behind their goals. Um, and often when it gets tough, you can remind yourself of that as well in that training cycle. So I always look for little connections, I think, between the person who I'm speaking to and the goal. And I look for that connection and I try and direct them towards that. And if I've got it wrong, that's absolutely fine because I always believe it should be the athlete's final choice. It shouldn't be the coach's. But we should always be open and honest with them as well and give them our honest feedback on where we feel like um, best li- it best lies with them. So as well, I wouldn't give somebody, I wouldn't say to somebody, yeah, I think you should do that if I didn't think it was their strength either. I think you should always look at it and go, where do I think you can perform best? Um, and, and does that, again, align with, with their goals? So yeah, I hope that answers the question super love it brill spot on okay well that's enough for today i've kept jethro for far too long um yes episode two is done and dusted episode three will be coming your way as of next week as i mentioned in this uh, episode itself we've pre-recorded that episode because we are away next week and then we'll be back the following week after that with episode four for you on the new levels coaching podcast we do have our website if you want to check it out, www.newlevelscoaching.co.uk. We're also on social media challenge, uh, channels. Check us out on Facebook or on Instagram. We're very active on there. And we also have the New Levels Run Club, which is a free Facebook group. It's a really nice community. So if you want to come and say hi or ask us any coaching questions, feel free to pop in that group and our coaches will happily answer any questions that you have. But if you prefer just to tune in and join us on the podcast, then we hope you'll join us again in the coming weeks. And if you've got any feedback for us, we would love to hear from you. But for now, enjoy your training and good luck if you're racing.